You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants. I am Patricia Traina. I write for The Athletic, Inside Football, and a bunch of other places. And I'm joined by my co-host, Ed Valentine, who is the senior editor at Big Blue View. And today is Tuesday, March 27th. We are coming to you uh, a day, second day in the week, a lot going on uh, that continues to go on. The NFL owners meetings continue to churn on. The Giants also have uh, signed a new safety, Michael Thomas. And uh, the other thing Ed and I uh, wanted to share with you is an interview that I did actually uh, last Friday with CBS columnist Joel Corey. Joel Corey is a former NFL agent. He is the expert when it comes to salary cap and CBA matters. I mean, he's he's the go-to guy, does a wonderful job, and is a guy who's very, you know, usually very willing to answer questions, um, comments on, on contracts to give you perspective. So just a real super guy. And Ed, I'm really excited to, to, to have had this opportunity to speak with him. Oh, Joel is the best, and uh, I think that this is something that uh, that people will learn a lot from. Absolutely. So we'll take a short uh, pause here just to get a word in from our sponsor, and then I'm going to play that interview for you. We're joined now by Joel Corey. He is a former NFL contract advisor, does uh, work now for CBS Sports, amongst other places, an expert on the NFL salary cap, and I'm absolutely delighted that he took the time out of his busy schedule to hop on with us. Joel, thank you so much for coming. Oh, sure. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, Joe, I wanted to get your, your take on a few things that have developed over, over this year with free agency, the salary cap, and also take a look um, towards the future on some things here. I um, wanted to start off with the trades that have been made around the NFL. Now, um, I don't remember the exact amount but of trades that have been made so far this offseason, but it seems a lot of those trades, with the exception of, you know, like the Jets and the Colts where there, where there are strictly draft picks involved, a lot of the trades for veteran players that are pretty good players Somehow these teams are getting away with trading away um, like low round picks, you know, like sixth, seventh round picks. Um, they're, they're, they're avoiding trading away first and second rounders. And I'm just wondering if that has anything to do with just the value that's been, been assigned to players or are you seeing a trend as far as, you know, how the cap is maybe driving some of these teams to offer the compensation? Uh, part of it's cap related because you didn't see these types of trades before you could carry over cap room from one year to the next. That allows teams to be in a better position to absorb the acceleration from any signing bonus um, proration. And two, you've got a younger group of GMs. Now there's a change in the guard, like a Howie Roseman um, and a Brandon Bean in Buffalo. They don't have the same attachment generally to any draft pick, whether it's an early-round pick or a late-round pick, that some of the older GMs have. Sally Roseman uses trades just as much as free agency to remake the Philadelphia Eagles roster, and anything that had Doug Whaley's fingerprints on it in Buffalo was getting shipped out of town. 
<laughs> and and also, um, I believe if you trade away uh, draft picks, that also lowers the amount of money you have to allocate for the draft picks. Like for example, if you if, if depending on where you're slotted to draft, I think you're you have to put aside X number of, the, uh, of millions of dollars for the picks. So I guess by trading away those lower picks, now you're lowering that, and that's money you can kick back towards you know free agency. Is that correct? Yeah, theoretically, it's more money you kick back towards free agency, but that was the whole theory be, uh, behind the Ricky Wade scale and, dramatic, and drastically decreasing the contracts for the top six, seven picks. I'm not necessarily sure that that money w went directly to the players dollar for dollar and didn't just go into the uh, owner's pockets. And also, when you make a trade, you have more flexibility with that player if he doesn't work out. Because you don't take on any proration, so there's no dead money. Like last year, uh, New England ended up being a mistake. Was um, cut Tony Ely. Um, he couldn't even get out of training camp after they uh, acquired him from um, the Panthers. Ended up playing and being a contributor for the Jets, but they had no dead money for him because of that. Right, and and Joe, with the the end of the CBA coming up in 2020, I know when I look at some of these contracts, specifically for the Giants, a lot of them look like the Giants can get out of the contracts by 2020. Um, you know, the, we know that contracts are technically, even though they 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 are listed for four years, five years, whatever, they're technically one year deals, maybe two years at the most, depending on how they're structured. Is that the, something that you're also seeing when you evaluate these contracts being done around the uh, the, the year? Uh, I'm sorry, around the league, are teams looking to you know get themselves an out? by 2020, depending on what happens with the next CBA? Well, you see that more as an, more as an agent consideration because you the agents are assuming that a new CBA beginning in 2021 can't be any worse than the one that was signed this go-around. So if you're an agent, you really kind of want your contract, if you can time it that way, uh, for one of your players to come up after the 2020 season. Because you, you would have to think that D. Smith is going to do a better job in this round of negotiations than the last time. Um, the interesting thing is going to be in 2020, because it's an uncapped year and you have various different rules on the cap, um, that, changed, that changed. I don't think there's any carryover room for 2020. And I think you get one franchise tag and one transition tag in 2020 as well. Um, so that's going to be an interesting year, because... Typically, we've had the last year of the CBA be an uncapped year to encourage a new collective bargaining agreement before that hits. That's not the case this time around. I don't think there are enough rules for 2020 which would encourage a new deal being done, given the players feel they were taking advantage of last time. And I'm, I'm expecting there to be a work stoppage in 2021. Yeah, that seems to be the, to be the feeling around, uh, around the league. You know, you mentioned the uncapped year in 2020. I'm just wondering, you know, teams, you know, a couple teams last time there was an uncapped year, they took advantage of that. And you mentioned that, you know, there's not a lot of rules in place, or maybe they're, I, I guess they're going to finalize these rules as we get a little closer but do you anticipate there being more of a free-for-all you know where teams try to circumvent that with with contracts not so much this year because this year is pretty much you know we're, we're past the bulk of free agency but maybe in the next year or two do you see maybe backloaded contracts for that 2020 well, thank you, uh, uh, Mr. Sidney. I said that the 2020 is capped this time around it's not uncapped oh, like I'm sorry. before um, but 
you, you always see teams doing things a little bit differently because you have something called a 30% rule, which is already in effect. And any contract which extends beyond 2020, you can't have a raise of more than 30% of the salary in 2020. That's taking effect with some contracts that are in existence. Like the first one I saw where it impacted was Tyron Smith's lifetime deal with the Cowboys a few years ago. I think that thing will run until he's 67. <laughs> but, um, but you're going you're gonna to see that impacting how deals are structured in terms of what the increase can be year to year. And, and you know, speaking of structure, we saw the deal that Kirk Cousins got with the Vikings. I believe that that deal is, is fully guaranteed, if I'm not mistaken. Do you anticipate that, you know, as more, quote-unquote, super franchise players like the Odell Beckham Juniors, for example, do you anticipate maybe we see more of that as we as we get closer to that 2020 or 2020 um, end of the CBA? Or do you think teams are going to kind of, you know, how do you see them handling it? Well, I think it's too early to tell. I suspect we're not going to see a rash of fully guaranteed contracts. I think it's going to be contingent on Aaron Rodgers being the next domino to fall. His, his contract should get done sometime this offseason, making him the league's highest paid player once again. If he pushes for a fully guaranteed contract and gets one, then maybe that is the impetus for Matt Ryan to get one who's in a contract year and should get a deal done at some point before the regular season starts. And at that point, maybe it would extend to a couple of the younger defensive players like Khalil Mack and um, Aaron Donald. Um, But if you don't get a second quarterback to do so, it's not going to happen anytime soon. I thought Andrew Luck had the leverage to do it in 2016, but uh, didn't get it done either. Speaking of, um, just going back to Odell for a moment, I know there's been a lot of debate about what kind of contract he might be in line for now. I'm, I'm sure complicating matters for him is his injury, which, you know, according to all indications right now, he's he's expected to be fine. Um, there's also the issue of cap space, which the Giants really don't have a lot of this year. Now, by trading JPP, um, they created a bunch of cap space for next year. They also did the same thing by eliminated, eliminating the 2019 year on John Jerry's contract. You know, if you if you had to peer into your crystal ball, what kind of deal would you think Odell might be able to swing from the Giants? Well, I think the first thing Odell Beckham Jr. should do is he should buy Sammy Watkins whatever he wants because if Sammy Watkins is, is a gift, if Sammy Watkins is worth $16 million a year for a guy that over a two-year period has barely produced 1,000 yards and less than 70 catches, what's Odell Beckham Jr. worth? Um, he's getting a chance. You usually don't get a uh, second chance to make a first impression. He's got a clean slate with the regime change. I don't necessarily know if he's totally taking advantage of it because you need to mind your P's and Q's and not have anything questionable come out. Um, Supremely talented guy. He's going to be the highest paid wide receiver whenever it's done um, this year or next year. He's better off also waiting for the two pass rushers or defensive players. One's a pass rusher. One um, just puts a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks in the interior to get done because those guys will be over $20 a year. That's his best bet to get in that neighborhood. He's never going to be paid like a quarterback like he wanted to last year. That is just unrealistic. 
But if you do it this year, theoretically, you could create he could create his own cap room uh, from his option year because you could take his base salary down to his minimum and then convert a decent portion of that in a signing bonus and you'd still pick up cap room because you can prorate the amounts you convert over a five-year period so he, he's self-contained at least for this year and he's picking up significant cap room over the next couple of years for uh jpp so that actually is, is a big help <laughs> Does it almost pay for Beckham to, to kind of get closer to the 2020 mark and see what the new CBA is going to to allow as far as, you know, maybe guaranteed contracts or partially guaranteed contracts or, or whatever? Or, or do you do you say to yourself, look, you know, father time is not on your side because, you know, by the time that comes around, you're going to be a couple of years older. You don't know what the next two years are going to bring. So just get it done now and then, you know, you can always readjust or, or look to readjust once you know what the new CBA says? Um, he doesn't have enough money. Um, he's got a ton of money for average personal standpoints, but in terms of NFL money, uh, he wasn't a top 10 pick, so even his option year is lower than what Mike Evans was. Uh, he just doesn't have the financial capital to be that patient where he's going to go, I'll play out this year, then get franchised next year for – 17 he already wants a deal yesterday so getting him just to wait until you got other guys who can advance the ball on the non-quarterback market is probably going to be a challenge he's probably a i don't know him but just Mm -hmm. based on the comments he makes publicly he seems on the surface that he would be a difficult person to represent you'd probably have to do a lot of managing of expectations with him Mm, which is which is always a tricky thing, and then you know also um, factoring into the Giants' decisions, they've got Landon Collins coming up for renewal at the same time, and and you know the safety market, you know depending on who you listen to, is is relatively soft. It's it's not going to be one where you know. Um, I, got, the, I guess the, the demand and the supply is going to balance out and not necessarily in the players' favor. But how, how would you anticipate Collins's pending uh, uh, contract negotiations might play into Odell's, if at all? Well, they got to get one done because they can't franchise both. So they need to have one guy under contract by the beginning of March 2019. Um, you're right, it is a very soft safety market this year that those guys are still sitting on the board um, for the most part. Uh, but if I'm landing Collins, um, I'm not in a rush to do anything right now either. Um, Earl Thomas wants a new contract. I don't know if Seattle's going to give it to him or it's going to come from wherever team he's traded to, maybe Dallas. But I'll wait for that to get out there because Earl Thomas wants to eclipse Eric Berry, who's the highest paid safety at $13 million per year and $40 million guarantee. So anybody who can raise the bar uh, is going to benefit Collins. He had a great 16, a not as good 17, but he would he's going to get the benefit of the doubt that 17 is not indicative of what he's going to do on a go-forward basis as much as 16 is. Either way, you're over $12 million per year, if not making him the highest paid safety, if, particularly if you wait and he goes out and 18 is like 16. Hmm. And then finally, Joel, you know, 
it just seems like every year something pops up that's surprising in, in, with contracts, with with movement in the league. You know, you've seen a lot in, in your time as a contract representative uh, and, and advisor, but is, is there anything in particular this year that, that just made you say, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming? Oh yeah, there are two in particular. I already mentioned one, Sammy Watkins. I don't know how you can be the third leading wide receiver on your own team and you sign a deal with $30 million guaranteed. I know he was the fourth overall pick in 2014, but he hadn't done anything remotely close to being that. Mm-hmm. And two, Jimmy Graham. I guess the, the theory is Seattle didn't know how to use him, and he's going to be more like the New Orleans Jimmy Graham, which was a jumbo-sized wide receiver, than what we saw in Seattle. He's 31, Ruffs Patel attendant. He's still the only $10 million per year tight end. I thought he was taking a pay cut. I didn't think he was going to get a deal averaging the same thing as his deal from 2014. And then also, Allen Robinson getting a uh, long-term deal, 42 over three years with uh, $25 million guarantees when he's coming off a torn ACL. Uh, he had one-year prove-it deal uh, written all over it. And the guy who got the one-year prove-it deal from a couple of uh, injury-plagued seasons Dante Moncrief surprised me. Nine point six fully guaranteed can make another two million incentives, and that guy hasn't really done anything the past two years. So it, it pays to be a, a veteran wide receiver this year in, in free agency. I'll tell you what, I want to come back in my ne- next life as as uh, one of these NFLers with some of the money that's been thrown around. I mean, my gosh. It's amazing. Isn't normally, it? normally, deal, normally deals don't really strike me as like what was that? But those are a couple where I was like, wow. Mm. Amazing stuff, I'll tell you. It, it, it pays to be, you know what, it pays to be, uh, you know, in your prime, age-wise, and, and also not have, I guess, a lot of wear and tear on your body, if, if at all possible, because you can really cash in. But how many of these guys are actually going to see the full dollar value of, of the reported deal? Probably not a lot, I would think. No, because NFL, uh, NBA contract, NFL, NFL contracts aren't worth the paper they're printed on. They're not like NBA contracts where they're fully, where they're fully guaranteed. When uh, if you sign for uh, eighty million over four years, you're getting eighty million over four years. Once the guarantees run out after year two, in most cases for these big deals, uh, you could be gone. Sometimes teams are willing to. Let you go after one year, not for the major deals, but you've seen guys like uh, Sylvester Williams sign off the Titans last year, gone after one year. So if teams have more cap room, they can erase mistakes that they make, particularly if there's a regime change, because that's when all bets are off, because Tyron Matthew only played one year under his new extension. They bring in a new coach, not necessarily um, – is ideal for his skill set. Want to take a pay cut? He refused. He's gone. He basically made twenty million for one year of that uh, extension. Mm. Tell you what, it's been an, it's been an interesting off season. I think this one has been the most interesting. Uh, to date with, with all these deals and these guys that are getting jettisoned after one year. You know, Alec Ogletree, another guy who after one year, after just signing an extension and, and being shipped out. Yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Why do you give the guy an extension in the middle of last year when by then he should have known that his skill set was better suited for Jeff Fisher's 4-3 as opposed to Wade Phillips' 3-4? So, yeah, you got a draft pick back that you can use sooner rather than later, but I don't... 
so there's to me there's a disconnect there between whoever's doing the contract, the coaching staff, and the front office because I don't know how you, you do that deal and then he's immediately gone. Yeah, that that was an, uh, an unusual deal, but you know, you know, hopefully the Giants Giants benefit from it. You know, the Rams are are, are going to get something out of it as well. And and like you said, it's an opportunity to erase some mistake that you know you might have made. So anyway, Joel, before I let you go, um, tell the people where they can find you where they can find your work uh, you can find my work at um, cbssports.com this is a regular column called um, an agent's take the most recent article which I don't know if it's still up prominently on the uh, front page of the website of the NFL portion is basically 10 contract related thoughts about the first waiver free agents okay looks and it's definitely worth the read folks i mean joel is the go-to man when it comes to salary cap questions always appreciate your insight your input your your guidance and i want to thank you for taking a few minutes out of your very busy schedule to come on i appreciate you having me thanks okay ed great stuff did i not tell you that was some good stuff there Oh, of course you did, Patty. So, but uh, you know, Joel. Joel knows his stuff, and as you said, he's he's the go-to guy for for all things cap related. Yes, he is. And and you know, speaking of the cap, like like I said at the top of the show, Michael Thomas has been added, uh, safety special teams player, former. I think he was a a captain, if I'm not mistaken, for the Miami Dolphins. So. The Giants continue to make moves despite the fact that, you know, that their salary cap space keeps dwindling down. Um, going to be very interesting to see how they clear out some more cap space. you got to think something's going to break down with um, uh, uh, Brandon Marshall's contract. And, um, you know, it'll just be interesting to see how Dave Gettleman puts it all together. So... Ed, before we call it a show, was there anything else you wanted to uh, to mention to the listeners out there? Just uh, in reference to the Thomas signing, Patty, interesting to me that that the Giants continue, you know, to make some moves. These a lot of these small moves that that people don't think that much about that that are really geared toward helping their special teams, um, which is so overlooked sometimes. So. Um, but just an area that the Giants are obviously, you know, paying attention to as as they add players, um, and I think it's uh, you know it, it's smart to do that is to to find some guys that that have experience, you know, uh, doing uh, you know covering kicks, covering punts, you know, playing on special teams, um, because it's an area that really hurt the Giants a year ago. It really has, and you know, you, you, you're right, Ed. You look at the Giants um, and, and how they fell apart last year, and you know how how many times have you, did you and I scream about special teams, you know, during the game, and and you know something that they did or didn't do, and just how it kind of fell apart for them. And so, yeah, it, 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 you can't, you know, you're, the, the major signings are done right now, and you're filling in with with guys who can supplement the, the roster, and you know. Obviously, they need depth at safety, you know, because they didn't. It doesn't look like they're bringing back Matt Burhey. Um, You know, they, they. So they need to add a little depth there. But I like the signing. I like so far what Gettleman's doing. It's all on paper. The proof will be in the pudding. But I, I think so far so good, and I'm anxious to see how it all plays out. As am I, Patty. 
All right. So on that on that note, Giant fans, we'll call it a show. We want to thank you for listening. We want to thank Joel Corey for coming on with us. Very busy time for him, so we do appreciate that he took the time out of his schedule. And we will be back with you again uh, later in the week. Take care.